I've got the best piece of music since sliced bread. I've got a big old waste of beverage. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Date Fight. It's the podcast where we take great moments from history and pit them against each other. He's Jake Yak. Jake Yak. (laughs) Here we are. You've joined us in the Himalayas where we find Jake Yak alone (laughs) on the mountainside and me, Nat Tabley, and we're finding historical facts and we're throwing them like yaks fighting on a hillside. (laughs) Oh, let's just get on with it. Okay. I'm going to take you back to the 16th of December, 1938, to a young gentleman called Adolf Hitler. Oh, yeah. He hasn't turned up much on this podcast, surprisingly. No. We tend to swerve yeah, him. Yeah, a lot of Hitlery stuff. Yeah. But he's, uh, he's arrived today because on the 16th of December in 1938, he brought in the Mutterkreuz. Yes, the, the Mutter- Cross of Ehrenkreuz, the Mother Germany. Absolutely. Or Cross yes. of the Mother. So if you had... Four or five children, you were entitled to have a bronze mother medal. Okay. Mummy medal. Yeah. Uh, six or seven children got you silver. Yeah. Eight plus kids. Yeah. That's the gold. It's like the Duke of Edinburgh of reproduction. Wow. Um, in fact, there was they've there is evidence there was one higher with diamonds on it. Seriously. For 16 kids. 16. 16 children. Wow. Like you'd have time to do anything else. I feel like it should go the other way now. You know, yeah. the diamond should be no kids. No kids, yeah. Gold, just one. Yes. Silver, two. Two. More than two. No, and just... You, you should just get beaten to pieces You have to, to go and pick up litter it. from the streets. <laughs> you have to actively repair the damage you're doing to the world. Yeah. And I thought that was a terrible... I thought, oh, yes, look at that regressive, stupid policy just reinforcing women's roles in the house and as mothers. Ugh, what an awful thing. Until you realise that France still does it to this day. What? France has exactly the same system to this very day. You're joking. The médaille de la famille française. Um, and it's the, exactly the same. Four or five gets your bronze. Six or seven for silver. Eight plus is gold. No. Yeah. They need to rethink that really fast. I think they do. To paraphrase Bill Hicks, we figure out this whole food air deal. <laughs> yes. And so I thought, well, maybe it's a nice way of recognising the emotional labour which isn't otherwise recognised in society. That's true. But. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find something. It's a big but. Nothing. Mm. Mm. Okay, that's mine. That's a good one. Yeah, it's all right. Well, I said it was the best piece of music since sliced bread, and I yes. meant it. Ooh, because is it popcorn on the <laughs> <laughs> on the sixteenth of December, eighteen ninety three. Yeah, uh, the uh, New World Symphony, oh. or more accurately, from the New World, mm-hmm. uh, by Anton Vorjak, premieres at Carnegie Hall, New York. Now, there's a lot to unpack with this. Okay. It's got, I mean, every bit of it, it's got about f- 51 themes in it that you'll recognise. Yeah. Uh, and I will come on to the biggest one yeah. in a second. Uh, but at the time, uh, Vorjak was the director of the National Conservatory of Music mm-hmm. uh, in America. And this conservatory had been founded by a woman called Jeanette Thurber, who was a wealthy philanthropist. Mm-hmm. And 
she made it open to women and black students. Oh. Which was very That's very unusual. progressive. So yeah. when, was this, when did she start that? In the... uh, I don't know when she started it, but this was running in the uh, 1890s. Okay. And uh, so Vorjak came over and he was being paid $15,000 a year, which was an wow. insane amount of money. I mean, that sounds fine now. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah like uh, Charlie Chaplin, 20 years later, was doing $150 a week yeah. making movies. Like, it was an unbelievable amount of money. Um That's... Anyway, so while Vorjak was there, he was exposed to uh, both Native American musics and African-American music. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, and I hope that you'll sort of take the sentiment rather than (laughs) the language he uses. Well, the sentiment's good, right? So he says, uh, I'm convinced that the future music of this country must be founded on what are called... That's what he said. Yeah. Negro melodies. Mm -hmm. These can be the foundation of a serious and original school of composition to be developed in the United States. These beautiful and varied themes are the product of the soil. They are the folk songs of America, and your composers must turn to them. Mm -hmm. And he was right. Yeah. It's one of the most famous pieces of music ever. It was famously in the UK used on an advert for sliced bread, which is why they... uh, uh, And astronaut Neil Armstrong as opposed to ice cream salesman (laughs) Neil Armstrong, uh, took a tape recording of it uh, along on the Apollo 11 mission. Well, hang on. We heard the the other day that they have music piped into the landers. Yeah, the Ride of the Valkyries we had. Which is like worse than it's worse than the Brittany Ferries wake up music, which is (laughs) (laughs) pretty strong. Um, Anyway, so uh, the, the biggest theme... Yeah. Uh, that everybody knows, I think, goes... Which a lot of people have observed sounds very like Swing Low Sweet Chariot. Oh. And the theory is that one of his students yeah. uh, who won a scholarship, mm-hmm. a young black 26-year-old composer who's called Henry Thacker, also known as Harry Burley, mm-hmm. He sang a lot of Negro spirituals right. to Vorjak, who thought they were just amazing, and that he kind of incorporated that into the New World uh. Symphony. And Harry Burley uh, became a very respected composer in his own right. Off he the back of it. cross that Vorjak had nicked his best bits that he hummed to. Well, him. that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> it's, I mean, great, you yeah. know, but also at the same time... You, How progressive of you to nick yeah, that off You me. made some quite serious coin in Carnegie Hall. <laughs> And you're already on $15,000 a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. short of money, yeah, Dvorak. Yeah, yeah. You could possibly do a little bit more. Yeah. Apparently it was, it was the absolute moment of his life, was that concert right. in Carnegie Hall where the, 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 the audience went absolutely berserk for it and he was compelled to stand up and bow. And it was <laughs> thought to be, like, the absolute high point of his life. It was the most undecorous thing he'd ever done. I had to stand For some nicked tunes <laughs> yeah. from oppressed people. Well done, mate. Well yeah, done. We're enslaved. I was talking myself out of across, a point here. Across the ocean. <laughs> Why have I done that? They had to forcibly work on the land until they did tunes that were hummable by Dvorak. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I think you probably win. That's probably... that's Really? More. Yes, I think so. The Mutterkreutz, I don't think, has a lot of... Cultural impact now, apart from that, the French are still doing it. Okay, well I'll have it. You have it. Why not? Hey, amazing! So I scored the first one of the week. What? That never happens. Mm. Maybe this is my week. <laughs> All the other weeks have not been. Happy birthday. 
subject of musics. Happy birthday to Beethoven. Oh, wonderful Beethoven. Deaf piano banger. <laughs> Beethoven. So mean. <laughs> also, happy birthday to Jane Austen, the bourgeois comic novelist who wrote such classics as Wilt, Porterhouse Blue and Blot on the Landscape. I oh, know that's Tom Sharp. I was going <laughs> to... What? She did other ones. Yeah. Also, happy birthday to Margaret Mead, the anthropologist whose study of the people of Samoa um, made other scientists very cross because they appear to have a different way of living to us. And that's anthropology for you. <laughs> In essence. Yeah. Happy death day to Wilhelm Grimm. One of the two brothers, Grimm, who, unlike his brother, enjoyed music and socialising. I mean, it's nominative determinism, isn't it? Yeah. You've got to Grimm. Grimm. What's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> Carl Grimm just sat there going, I'm not coming out. This is not fun for me. For <laughs> me. <laughs> Happy death day in 1982, Colonel Sanders, chicken genocide enthusiast. <laughs> He's killed more chickens than you have. It's a sustainable genocide. Is it? Don't forget. Well, yeah. Well, he always makes sure more he, he's forcibly impregnated more of them <laughs> so that there's more to kill. Oh, that's, more, that's better then. You've got to have more to kill, mate. Yeah. Come on. True. And before, before sensitive vegans start writing in, I, I, I'm a, I am a vegan. I'm, it's just we've had this before. Yes, we have. Uh, we're not laughing at the deaths of the chickens. No, we're we laughing are at... suggesting the horror of the death of the chickens by laughing at the process. Yes. Something. I'm laughing at dead chickens. <laughs> we, he's laughing at dead chickens, right? I'm laughing at I'm not, the that's not funny. hilarity that we as a society still think that's okay. Yeah. Happy death day, 1921, to Camille Sanson. Hey, now. And there's a whole carnival of all the animals, mm. none of which are dead. So that's a step up from the last guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very musical one today. It is musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Next one, then. That's because no one important did anything today. <laughs> That's basically it, isn't it? We're just into the pops. Yeah. Do the pops. Um, I haven't got the pops. I'm going to take you back, though, to the 16th of December off of 1991. Mm. So Kazakhstan yeah. declares its independence. Mm. So... What happened was, was uh, the year before, Kazakhstan had declared its sovereignty on its territory as a republic within the Soviet Union. And it was all like, oh, oh, oh just a minute. And then in August, uh, there was an aborted coup attempt in Moscow. Um, and then it became the last Soviet republic to declare independence. And 10 days after that, Boxing Day, yeah, Soviet Union didn't exist anymore. <laughs> it was over. And... Well, because even Russia had left... The USSR, by then, hadn't it? The Russian Federation left the USSR. Right. So was it just Kazakhstan at this point? Was it? Is anyone left in the USSR? Yeah. And, I mean, an amazing place. And what what a loss to the Soviet Union, which didn't exist anymore anyway, so it doesn't matter. Because by 2006, Kazakhstan generated 60% of the GDP of Central Asia. Really? And it's all about the oil, of -hmm. course. Yeah. They didn't have a particularly good time under the USSR uh, in 1947. Uh, I'm not suggesting many people having a good no, old no riot, having a particularly great time. Um, it's Bolshevism. It's amazing. Where do we put atomic bomb project? Uh, we put in Semipalatinsk. Yeah. 
in Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan. where uh, with the first bomb test in 1949, they did hundreds of nuclear tests there uh, for 40 years. And Unfortunately, it, nobody lived there. It, it, well, uh, it's, it is pretty much one of the absolute least populated countries in okay. the world in terms of population density. It's six people per square kilometre. Mm. Not very many people at all. 18 million people, I think. But it's got a million square miles. So... Kazakhstan, because yeah. we don't think about it in this country. Mm. Kazakhstan is the same size as Western Europe. What? All of it. What? Yeah. It's massive. That's crazy. It's the ninth largest country in the world. And one of only in terms two... Of surface area. Yeah. Yeah. And one of only two landlocked countries that has territory in two continents. Okay. The other being... The other one is Azerbaijan. Oh, of course. How very idiots out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Go on, then. I'm going to take you back to 1773. Well, all right then, Daddy, that's good for me. (laughs) It's the Boston Tea Party! Ah! In which a group of Americans dressed up as... Mohawk Native Americans and threw 342 crates worth of tea into Boston Harbour to protest the fact that it was too cheap. Yes. And there's the lovely line in Mary Poppins mm. uh, where Mr. Banks says this rendered the tea undrinkable, even for <laughs> Americans. <laughs> oh, Mr. Banks. Because what's funny It's a shame being... he's dead inside because he works in a bank. <laughs> yeah. That's nominative determinism for you. <laughs> Mr. Dead Inside. I like because he does at the end of the film. He basically gets dragged back into the bank, doesn't he? Yeah, they go back. So, the, oh, you he has one another... day on a kites, yeah. and then he's back in and the bank. Back you go because he has to earn a living. Yeah, he can't. He can't live on kites. Maybe we could. Hey, mm. hang on. Yes. I mean, no one owns the air. Uh, yet you know like you get uh in some countries you you get all of those houses on stilts on the water because yes the water is like the public domain is. and stuff so you, you know people water. go and live on that what if we could have a kite powered house <laughs> and live in the air yes we could float away from all this you could pay like someone 10 quid for a tether this in their feels garden like a very sort of late 1960s plan that we go and live with the kites And we just sit there and we occasionally swoop down to the earth and pick up, we graze for a while and then take off again. It sounds like a Studio Ghibli film. It does. Kite, the man who lived on kites. The middle-aged men who lived on kites. (laughs) (laughs) We would arrive in the village, which would be running around. They're coming, they're coming. (laughs) Make the rice balls, they're coming. (laughs) Uh, Rice balls. (laughs) And then we'd turn up with we'd be grotesque big pig creatures flying <laughs> our coats, wedging our faces full of rice balls, leaving the village full of manure. Then, right, so the Boston Work Tea Party. Up. Work it out. <laughs> this, this has got legs, mate. Boston Tea Party. Um, so, essentially, we did, the, the reason they, the tea was so cheap and so ugh, cheap that it made everyone cross was because the East India Company was in danger of going bust at that point. So it had 18 million tonnes of surplus tea that it didn't know what to do with. So the British changed the law, saying, you don't have to pay tax on it, you can just take it straight to America and make it really cheap over there. Thinking no one would be, would be that bothered, because the East India Company would be happy because they wouldn't have to pay 
duties on it, and the Americans would be happy because they w- would get cheap tea. Mm. Unfortunately, the Americans had actual tea importers who were still having to pay the tea tax, and lots of tea smugglers who didn't like the fact that there was a new source of cheap tea. And everyone else didn't like the fact that they weren't consulted about the fact what taxes were and weren't imposed. So they dressed up as mohawks and threw tons of tea into Boston Harbour. I'm imagining a, a Bostonian fancy dress shop. Yeah, going over <laughs> hundreds of people I'm going into so. mohawks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could, Julius Caesar. I, I could do you like sexy nun. <laughs> Do you want to do Doctor Who? It's just a bow tie. <laughs> well, I Kicking mean, off the American Revolution. There you go. There's yeah, yeah, name. exactly. Yeah, a pivotal moment. Yeah, in history. Annoyingly, yeah. fine. Have the point. I don't care. Thank you. One apiece. One. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I I got plenty of time. I got some good stuff this week. So brace yourself, Sonny Jim. I, I will. Yeah, I'm strapped in. Good. We'll see you tomorrow. Yes. As the date fight continues. Yes. With ever more hostility. Barely <laughs> repressed in our voices. Pissiness <laughs> dripping <laughs> off our tongues. Lovely. Uh, tell, tell someone. <laughs> Sounds like a cry for help. Find Just help. Please yeah, tell send, someone. We'll see you tomorrow. Yes. We'll it's, be better then. Yeah, and we do love each other really. Bye. Bye.